There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery. Code Wondery. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1101. Hey, let's talk about you, the ID10T community. Events at ID10T.com is the email that you will use to share a thing you made or a thing that you like that you want to share or a thing that you made with your friends. For instance, like Jennifer, who writes, my friends Christina Wald and Kat Klockow have created a thing. Uh, the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities, Comics, Anthology, and Podcast. The comic anthology is 36 pages exploring the paranormal lore of six locations in the Cincinnati region. All stories are written and illustrated by Cincinnati artists and include Satan's Hollow, Mermaids of the Ohio River, Loveland Frogman, Cincinnati Music Hall, and Sedumsville Rectory. I think I said that right. S-E-D-A-M-S-V-I-L-L-E. Sedumsville. I apologize for not having the local knowledge to know how to pronounce that if I got it wrong. And if I got it right, I meant to do that. The podcast is Christina Cat and myself, uh, in parentheses Jennifer, talking about local folklore, ghost stories, doppelgangers, and all sorts of creepy things. You can find the podcast on YouTube, Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities, or follow on Facebook or on Instagram, Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities, C-I-N-C-Y Cabinet of Curiosities. That sounds like a fantastic podcast. Thank you so much, Jennifer. And see, now I'm going to have to listen. And then when I'm able to tour someday again doing stand-up and I come to Cincinnati, then I will have to visit these local folkloric places. Folkloric? Let's say that's a word. All right, let's make folklore an adjective and call it folkloric. That sounds reasonable. Uh, thanks for sharing, Jennifer. Events at ID10T.com again for anything you would like to share. This episode is Lynn Shea, whom Lydia and I absolutely love. Um, Lynn is a legend in horror films, a legend. She was in the Insidious film series. She's been in a ton of great stuff, and she's phenomenal in everything that she's in, by the way. And uh, she was on the podcast about a year and a half ago and uh, told some great stories about how she got the roles in kingpin and there's something about mary and there was it was it was great but she came to our house and lydia idolizes lynn like idolizes her idolizes her career and was really nervous to meet her and lynn could not have been kinder sweeter and so uh we all became pals and uh and we just absolutely like i said we absolutely adore her um lynn is in a couple things that you can well she's in a ton of stuff but she's in two newer things that you can watch number one uh, Penny Dreadful City of Angels, which came out in April of this year, but you know it was just right at the beginning of the pandemic and the quarantine, and so I think they're just 
you know, there just was not a lot, things weren't really being promoted that much back then because everything got flipped upside down. So I think the release of it kind of flew under the radar, but it is available. Um, we got it in the Showtime Anytime app. Uh, you can watch it on Hulu if you have Showtime connected to that. Uh, and it looks fantastic. So um, that's Penny Dreadful, A City of Angels. Lynn is also uh, in a movie that just came out called The Call, where she and other horror legend, Tobin Bell, uh, play husband and wife. So um, that is available now. In the podcast, Lynn says it's coming out Friday, but... Uh, we recorded this a couple of weeks ago, uh, back in October. So it is out now. Uh, Lydia and I watched it, and it's so much fun. And they're amazing together. I really hope Lynn and Tobin get to do more stuff together. But um, just could not be a bigger fan of Lynn's and a bigger cheerleader for her. So uh, Lynn, thank you so much for being so wonderful. Thank you for coming back on the podcast. And Lydia and I hope to see you uh, in the real world soon uh, when that is uh, a safe and okay thing to do. All right, here's the ID10T podcast number 1101 uh, with the wonderful Lynn Shea. Initiating ID10T protocol. Look at look at me. I'm wearing. I'm like. I'm in a hat. I haven't shaved in days. I'm wearing. A oh Michael come on! Harris you're t-shirt. a you're a dude. You're a handsome guy. Get over it. <laughs> you know what? This is we're 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 in the age of like, uh, it, you know, of all of all the things this year. It's like, hey, maybe you know, like having to present ourselves every time we leave that, maybe that's not as important anymore. <laughs> maybe there are other important things in the world. Well, I have to tell you something funny. I had a, uh, I had a podcast yesterday, which I thought was on camera. So I did, I spent the morning, I took a shower, I did my hair. I worked for like, a, I got into my makeup. I was, and I looked great. And I realized it was just, it was just a podcast. I mean, it was just a, <laughs> I will so, say that. So, so there I was all dressed up and no place to go literally so I'm so glad <laughs> that, that is the theme of this year all dressed up and no place to go it does feel good to, it actually I do take that back it does kind of feel good to get dressed up sometimes and like kind of you know I've gone way down the tunnel I mean I'm I'm having a really rough time with this I just I, I no matter how many things there are trying to make it cushion it and make it better and more normal i don't know it's really it's 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 accented my loneliness my lack of participation my fears <laughs> it's really played on all the the scary parts of myself and then i also came out the other end and really like how how, how ridiculous i am <laughs> i finally go Okay, this is me. It is. It is that balance, you know. It's trying. It's trying to find that balance in a situation that we that we can't control, and also facing the fact that the amount of like security and control we had before was kind of an illusion, and so now it's like, ah, shit. Well, if we're not, and also like defining ourselves by what we do, and if we're not like what we do, if we're not. Like, like our careers we? or whatever, you know, who are we? Right. <laughs> and my dog, like, 
it's like my dog and my cat are the ones defining me the most. I mean, well, because <laughs> you, you work a lot and you like to work on a lot of different things. And, um, and I imagine that, have you done any productions since quarantine? We did. I did one day on a film called American Boogeyman, where I played Ted Bundy's mother, which was okay. really, really fun. And it was uh, Daniel Ferrand is the director and a really nice guy. It was the first day, literally, that films were being allowed to even have anything happening. And I only had, I was the first day, their first day of shooting and, um, Every all the COVID stuff was in place with everybody with the shields and the gloves and the hand. I mean, it's just fatiguing. But I I was I was so happy. I loved the role and I had a great scene. It was just one really long scene, and um, so once I was doing the work, you know, it was it, it was business as usual. And um, and then as soon as that as soon as that was over, suddenly you know the the uh, science fiction took over, <laughs> you know, right. with everybody in there. So, um, and it was, it was done very safely. I mean, as safe as you can be, you know, with a lot of people around. And I did, I'm also doing a video game, um, which I'm not supposed to say too much about, but I've never done motion capture and all that stuff. So that's been really kind of wild and fun. Um, and I've just done a couple days on that. And Penny Dreadful wrapped literally one week before the pandemic. Oh my gosh. And there was supposed to be a second season, which I was a part of and it got canceled by oh, Showtime. No, I'm yeah. so sorry. Yeah. I, that's, that's been a, I've, I've seen, I've seen that, I've seen that happen to several people uh, and also several friends, friends of mine where the studios are just freaking out and losing money. And so they just start, you know, chopping Stopping stuff. Hacking and, left and right. And there was, it's sort of a strange, it's the most beautiful show. It's, uh, if you can see it, you should. It's 10 episodes and it's, it's called um, um, Los Angeles City of Angels, Penny Dreadful. It's their fourth season. John okay. Logan, who's the original, you know, the original producer director of the first three years of Penny Dreadful, mm-hmm. um, wrote the whole, you know, wrote it and overlooked and directed a bunch of the episodes. It's exquisite. It's sort of like, it's like television opera in a way. His writing oh. is, is I, I mean, I've never really said this to John, but his writing is sort of like American Shakespeare. It's very, and you have to say it to the letter. He made that very clear. You do not change a word or any punctuation. It is what it is. And you express in your way what he wrote. Um, and uh, it, was, it was for me a scary adventure because I've, I haven't done much television. And it's still, even though it's showtime, it's still television. Right. <laughs> you know, you still get there and they're ready and you're, uh, and I'm, am I here yet? <laughs> Did I, where's my thing? Did I, do I have my other thing and my other thing in action? <laughs> you know, okay, we're on to the next scene. You know, it was kind of, um, so it was, it had kind of harrowing moments for me professionally, which was, um, which I learned a lot, actually. I learned a lot about my own fear. Well, but these these limited like these season long arcs are basically like long ass movies, you know, yeah. like they're shot like film and chopped up in a way like they're obviously serialized and, and then self-contained. Totally. So, it's, so you're really shooting, you know, like an eight or ten hour movie. <laughs> it, it's absolutely true. And um, Nathan Lane and I play Nazi hunters. It's 1938 Los Angeles. Oh, my God. This <laughs> so, is this out? 
out and it never they I don't know what happened with promotion what happened with them it, it just sort of went under the radar but it's um and Natalie Dormer from Game of Thrones plays four different characters oh my god she's great yeah it's really yeah. it's really exquisite Lynn we're my wife and I are gonna watch the shit out of that because binge on, I mean it's really worth it it's a fantastic show and it's so upsetting and so and it's um this takes place LA 1938 they built Los Angeles 1938 on a set in Santa Clarita they turned the old Hopalong Cassidy studio into Los Angeles 1938 and it was I'm telling you to the to the nth degree the beauty of the set design of wardrobe it was the most beautiful. It, to me, I said it's like a mirror. It's like watching opera almost. It's it's bigger than life. The story is sort of metaphorical and metaphysical, and kind of horror couched within Los Angeles, nineteen thirty-eight. What was happening in the barrio with the Hispanic community being run out by the by big business and by the the road companies and the the graft of the mayors of the city and oh, it's just. I mean, really by the way, you, you should have written copy for the promotional materials. <laughs> metaphorical, it's metaphysical. Like I, I, like everything you were saying, like, oh my God, we have to watch this. I mean, well, you know, it's, well it's true. Maybe they should have, maybe they should call me next time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, my wife and I adore you. And when you came on the podcast the first time a few years ago, you know, she was so excited and nervous and, and when she did, she did this move, the movie that she did, you came to a screening of right, it. Of course I did. And she, she was just beside herself with joy. She was like, I can't believe Lynn came. I'm so like, she was just so excited and so happy to have you there. And well, she's a dream. I mean, in every way, you know, not only is your wife, but she's also a beautiful actress and a wonderful person. I mean, I, I, you know, to date, and I've told this to my manager too, that was one of my favorite interviews ever, seeing your beautiful home. And I just heard via Katie that you got a new new digs that sound pretty spectacular. Yeah, I'd wanted to build a, like a more permanent podcast studio um, because for so long, I used to have one. I was doing this Comedy Central show and I had one there in the studio and then uh, when that show ended, it was basically just like people coming over to my house and Katie would have to come set up all the equipment every time. And right. I was like, we really need like a permanent studio. And so we kind of got one up and running and then boom, you know, like no one goes anywhere. So, but I, I have to say, you know, we're incredibly fortunate that we, that we live in an era where this technology, where we have technology that can allow us to, you know, at least communicate with people and and connect and and do this via Zoom. So at least it's at least we were we, at least we didn't have to shut the podcast down. No, I'm I'm with you. I mean, it's really a whole new mindset of how you communicate and what you can expect from from people and what you can expect from your own kind of emotions. I, I'm very I feel very isolated. Even though I mean, I can you know I can go out and put my mask on and I go to Ralph's. <laughs> you know, woo. <laughs> That produce aisle is so hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. But about a year ago, I was like, "Hey, going to premieres now." Like, "Hey, I'm going." Ralph has some new pears. Really, and they're so, like, and they're not overripe yet. <laughs> Get to hurry, 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 hurry. I'm going Get to a your, pear. What do I wear to the pear premiere? What really? 
I don't, but um, yeah, I think, I think we're all, I don't think it's ever going to go back a hundred percent. I think all of us are inextricably changed on some level from this, whether it's the way you relate to your family, your kids, whether you're the way you relate to yourself, the way you relate to your surroundings. There's so, we are being forced to examine things we have run away from also, I think, in, in, in our busy schedules. So I think there's really both positive and negative to it. But my, I'm out of, I'm out of control. I mean, I'm totally out of control. <laughs> I, mean, I talk to myself. I mean, if I had a speaker on, I could really do a one-woman show. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I, you should start recording them. And- I don't know. I'm too scared to. <laughs> it's, it's you know, you could, you could just, you could just like, uh, you know, like rent out an empty theater and then just set up a camera and then just start doing monologues, you know, just really just, I mean, seriously, I feel like, you know, my creative side is, is on fire, but my disciplinary side is, is gone. You know what I'm saying? Talk to me about that. I would love to hear that because I have not felt creative at all. I haven't, I've, I've, I've decided that I'm just kind of giving into like, well, I think this is more of a period of study. I'm learning instruments and, and learning languages and, and, but I haven't, I've barely written anything. So I would love to hear, you know, the creative fire and then how that plays into like, why, like where the discipline, where the lack of discipline comes in that you think. That's I mean, I think those, those are really big questions. Personally, my sense of ambition is gone at the moment my sense my sense of self-worth is high i like my i i realize i really do i like how goofy i am and That's i like the, that i have such per, odd perspective on things that other people don't see the way i do i really i i'm 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 proud of the truth teller that i seem to have become i i'm have very little censorship sometimes to a fault i mean where i I just tell people what I think, you know, for better or for worse. And and then I always apologize. (laughs) I do have a strong sense of apology. But in terms of creativity, I have done nothing creative except my house has been incredible. I've enjoyed being outside in my yard, fixing fountains. I become, I'm a little bit of a carpenter. I mean, I love fixing things and I love tools and I love um, arts and craftsy things. I've been ordering paint and paintbrushes online and painting my little Buddha outside, <laughs> painting my fountain and that kind of thing. But um, I haven't written anything um, other than letters to people. And um, in terms of actual, I realized I was going, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are, who are writing scripts and doing, and why aren't I doing that? But my, it's, it's, um, I have no, I think ambition is the word. I'm not at all connected to me moving forward in my career. You know, my career is, I hope it's good. (laughs) I hope it'll carry me through, but I, you're doing learning languages. I wouldn't begin to have the, the impetus or um, self-discipline to do that. I'm really, I think it's a distraction technique though, because but when look I, what you're getting from it. I mean, I distraction know, or not. But, that, but that's what that's kind of what the thinking was. It was just like, well, I can't go perform and I can't I'm not really, you know, do working in the way that I'm used to working because everything's kind of morphed. And again, I'm lucky that I'm able to do a considerable amount of work from home. But um, I think a lot of that, you know, like it's just become sort of a passion of like, well, I'll just learn. I want to learn something. And so 
I'm compelled to do it. I don't, there's not really an end game with it other than like, well, I, you know, if I can't be creative rather than sitting around and being depressed, I'm just going to try to learn something because that kind of stimulates the, I feel like I'm doing something. Yeah. Like, and, my and mine is physical. Mine has to be physical. I mean, I realize. I, I mean, I literally, I got so angry the other day about something. I just, I, I didn't know what to do with myself. And we have that my neighbor next door's gardener planted all this shitty bamboo, which is, <laughs> which is like, it is like a virus. Talk about viral. It, it I mean, so it, it will take over my house if I let it. And so, <laughs> and I literally. So what I did. No, places where you're you like, got, you got, here? I, I went up to where it's encroaching on my property. <laughs> yeah. And literally for a half hour, I tried to pull a fucking bamboo root out of the ground it's that awful. couldn't be pulled out. And yeah. I knew it couldn't be pulled out. But I, at the end of it, I was exhausted. I knew I hadn't done anything. <laughs> I had done nothing to not even quelled really my anger, but I physically was exhausted. And I, for me, um, I've never been a dancer per se, but my body and, and using my body, even in my work is very important to me. And I am a dancer sort of, I, I mean, I, I express myself physically as well as, as vocally or, you know, and emotionally really. And this for me was just, I just pulled and pulled and screamed. I mean, it was like a crazy person. I mean, my neighbors had heard me, they might've called somebody <laughs> But at the end of it. I was okay. I'm good. <laughs> So came back in the house, drank some water, and answered some emails. <laughs> it was like Lynn, Lynn Shay's bamboo therapy. Yeah. <laughs> this episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move, or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customize paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. It's like Mark Rydell, who is a wonderful director and who was one of the moderators at the actor studio. I remember during one of the sessions, he said, for an actor, you know, we talk about how can you manifest anger and how can you manifest? He said, if you want to get angry, try to open a closet door from the wrong way as hard as you can and don't give up. 
<laughs> and that's what this was. That was me like, I know I'm not going to get this fucking root out of the ground, but I am going to pull. I was like a do- I was like a dog. I mean, became a total animal. Maybe don't tell anybody that. <laughs> I don't know how to, like, the only thing that I've ever known to do with, uh, with bamboo that's getting out of control is just like, because the other thing, that happens with Birds of Paradise too. It is almost unkillable. You have to somehow, like, burrow into the earth and but if there's even like a slight bit of the root system left it'll still come back it just comes back like where the fuck does this come from and that's like ferns ferns are like that too i mean when you have a yard with i mean and so my therapy i mean that for me rather than sitting down and writing something or being creative in any way that has to do with my career (laughs) this is how i this is how i make myself feel better better i go out in my yard and i dig and i plant things or I fix this or I I find ways to what did I do the other day oh I don't know I just have all these little fountains all over and I had to go clean all the pumps you have to unplug everything you have to undo everything and you get the little brush and and there's something very satisfying about the physicality of it for me but I've done nothing constructive (laughs) but that's all but that's what you can control you know like that's what you that's exactly right that's exactly right these are the garden these are the things I can control and I can't control anything else. So the things that have a beginning, a middle and an end physically give me a sense of peace. Well, and I don't, I, I really do believe that eventually, the, I mean, you're right. You know, we're, there's definitely, how can you not be changed by something like this or the way that we, and, or, or the way that businesses or the way that business is done or the way that like, you know, people interact or, or, or whatever. And, but but I do think, you know, you if if what I'm reading between the lines a little bit is like your career is not over. <laughs> You're gonna work. Like people love you. They they love working with you. You're you know just le- you're just legendary. Like the you you and you produce. You know, like so. It, I just don't. I, I really feel like you're gonna be fine. I really do. I hope so. You know, I, I mean, I love, 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 love what I get to do. And, you know, this, there's been some things like the call, which is going to be released, which is part of why we're doing this interview as well yes. to promote this. It's um, I, I'm so glad it's coming out now because this is when we kind of need the, the stimulation. You know, it's, it's nice to remember what you do and why you do it. And, the thing I'm sort of happy about is I know there's no line between who I am and what I do. I mean, I really am. That's, and I think that's why my characters are successful on some level. There's no separation. I really tell, I tell as much the truth as I have in me in, in within telling the story I'm supposed to be telling as I do in, in playing with my dog. I mean, nothing changes for me. And I love the, I love the participation and the, uh, camaraderie and the interaction between, well, you know, the director, the actor, the producer, the the screenwriter, you know, that kind of community to me is is comfort. That's my that's my family, and um, it's gonna make me cry. But that's truly what I still need. I miss my family. Miss my family. Well, you're gonna get it back. I I, I really, you know, you're you're just such an important part of this business and such an important part of the horror community and Thanks, you know it, it just it's you it's it's good i i i really do believe it's gonna i believe it's gonna be okay and i believe you're gonna be okay 
I, I think so too. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm grateful for all I've done, you know, because, and the fans I have have been incredible. Gina, my manager just sent me a bag full of fan mail and boy, oh boy, if you ever want to, if I ever want to feel good, I mean, people write three page letters about what they've seen me in and how they feel about it and how it made their kid feel. And I mean, it's really extraordinary. The outreach that, that, that art has, you know, it's not just being an actor. I mean, we as artists in this world have a real responsibility. We're, 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 um, we're communicators in, in the best sense because people can't always hear what people say, but if it's in a story and it's on screen, they hear it and it goes in, you know, otherwise it can be, no, no, I don't want to know about that. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to hear about that. So we really are the richest communicators of truth in a way to people. And I'm, I'm, I, I can't, that I'll never give up. I never thought of it that way before, but you're absolutely right. You know, as an actor, your job is to be a truth teller from the point of view of whatever your character's point of view is. Even if, you know, even if it's like, okay, well, no, I'm not a, I'm not an evil spirit who is, you know, haunting people who wronged me. <laughs> However, I can find the seed of truth in that and, and, and express that, you know, in a truthful way, which I think is, you know, when you were talking about blurring that line between your true self and what you bring to the screen, it, it definitely feels like that's kind of what you're talking about. It's like, well, to be a really good actor means to be a really good truth teller. Cause you can tell when someone's not telling the truth on screen, you can just tell. Yep. A hundred percent. So I'm very grateful if that's part of whatever that gift thing is, you know, that I'm a, that I can do. Um, I'm, I'm forever and, you know, I'm forever grateful and, and I also, love it. I want to, and please just, you know, stop me if, if my, if this pep talk is annoying, but, or if you don't want it, but I, I, I just, you're the same person who, like did all the crazy makeup and showed up, you know, to the Farrelly brothers for that, that audition. And you like, you, you have such an incredible will and determination that you, you know, I just, I hope you also have faith in the fact that you're going to fucking figure this out. Like you're gonna, you're going to be good. You are good. And, and so I just, you know, I, I understand that it's hard now because we're sort of stalemated but uh, but I just have so much faith and belief in you. Uh, thank you, Chris. That's really that means a tremendous amount to me. I mean, it really does because you're a real seer. You know, I, you also have a <laughs> you're a gifted speaker, and but you also see into things in a way that a lot of you know broadcasters, moderators, podcasters, you know, you know, it's nothing superficial. And I feel I really thank you for that. I feel like that's true. And if anything, I'm honing my individuality. <laughs> well, and also like it, you know, not to minimize everything that's going on by any stretch of the imagination, but I also do believe that this experience will serve you in some artistic way in the future. You know? I agree. I think that, I think that is true. You know, the good news is, or we hope the good news is that there's, let's see what's going to happen next. You know, that really, there's so much ahead of us. And I got to remember that too, because every day feels like I'm not the first one to say it feels like Groundhog Day. You know, yeah. I mean, there's just, it's sort of, and then something flies in and there's like, whoa, what just happened? You know, like, whoa, oh, that was just something else, you know, besides my, besides my routine. And we forget that the, I've sort of forgotten sometimes that the world has all this stuff going on and things it's like comets you know fly past you and they will continue to do that no matter what and we got to keep our eyes and will open 
to everything around us still, you know, no matter what it is. I mean, um, it's, it's interesting the things that change your day, you know, even on a walk with the dog, you know, depending on what you see out there, if your eyes are open, right. you know, what are you noticing? Who did you, you know, there's, a, there's all kinds of stuff to keep you wide open, to keep the flower petals open. Yeah. And, um, and it, it's, it's easier to shut down because it's easier to shut down. You know, it's easier to just kind of sit in a heap and, and go, well, there's nothing to do today, you know? And sometimes that's a, that's a relief too. I mean, I've had days in bed where right. I just go, I'm going to go take another nap. Yeah. <laughs> and just, by the way, that's not the lazy thing anymore. I'm like, that's the responsible thing. Right, right. The responsible <laughs> citizen. By go take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> so you actually can feel good about that. Like you don't have to feel good before you just felt like, ah, that was sl- slacker. Yeah, yeah. Now it's like, no, I'm a responsible citizen. I'm being, I'm being you know, being alone too is, is very, uh, I, like I think about, you know, families and that being sort of shut in together and how that changes the dynamic of a family. Right. You know, we know that people that it's for better and for worse, you know, people who are together too much, and also there's the opposite where you never hardly see each other in real life because everybody's running around like chickens without a head. And here we are together and investigating people fall back in love with each other, too, I think. So I think there's that. And being by myself has been, again, very self-investigative. You know, it's um, I talk to myself nonstop, Chris. I mean, it's it's a little bit embarrassing because even I go say, okay, stop it now. And I say, don't talk to me like <laughs> Don't, don't you talk to, I don't appreciate your tone. Really? So just change the way you're talking to me, young lady. Yeah. (laughs) And then I go, okay, okay. (laughs) I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, you know, humans are expressive creatures. We're meant to be expressive and you in particular are very expressive and artistically expressive. And so, you know, I think that's just, I think that's normal. I think it's fine. Well, it's, it's helpful. I mean, it is because... Because that's how I problem solve also is, is verbal. I, I realize verbally is, is one of the ways I problem solve. I mean, I always talk to myself because, you know, I'm trying to think of when I was married. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm not anymore. <laughs> you, you, do, you, do you find that uh, that sort of verbalization process, it just kind of like, it's almost like, uh, self-therapy in a way, totally. right? You're, you're just 100%. out and processing and sometimes things, uh, hearing things out in the air is different than thinking things. And once you kind of get something out into the world, you can kind of understand it a little bit better or, or relieve the expression. A hundred percent for me. I mean, and I think that, uh, you know, I think I've always done that on some level it's sort of, you know, when you're with somebody, often they become your sounding board too. It's like, well, what do you think? You know, I mean, which is, which is as a couple, you know, if you're living as a couple, um, that's actually great because you keep each other posted on what, what's going on inside of you. You know, you don't just keep everything to yourself. And I think I've always, I mean, this is accelerated for sure. I mean, I really, from the minute I get up, I talk to my, either my animals or me. I mean, I'm, I'm very noisy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and but it it definitely is a way I keep myself I cry a lot I my emotions are very fragile and um sometimes I cry for no reason I'm just upset about I don't even know about everything I also have recognized that I really am an empath whatever that means that I absorb um I absorb a lot of what's around me 
And that's why my home has been so of value to me because my home is, I love my house. I mean, I love where I am. I love every little detail, every little horse head that I have, every little thing I have, you know, all my little things around me um, are because I put them there, not because a decorator did it or somebody else, a kid just threw stuff around. And so for me, it's, that's my, uh, it's my order. It's my sense of order and beauty. So I keep those things close to me, which give me a real base. It gives me a base. It makes me feel proud of myself and solid. So um, I, th I think I, I hope you're right. I think I think everybody is dealing with this in their own way, and depending on their circumstances of either being alone or in a family with kids, or being just with a partner, or you know how much. Also, I haven't gone anywhere. I mean, I have friends. You know, they're getting in their car and they drive to Utah. They I thought good for them. I'm not. I, I'm I'm not that person. I wish I was. I have a girlfriend. She just gets in the car and you know she drives off to wherever Montana. She'll go. Oh yeah, we haven't we haven't done that because I, I think it's like, well, where are we gonna go? And then also like, well, we have to stop for food. We have to stop for gas. We have to stop. Right, you gotta wear gloves with the yeah, mask, well, and you gotta masks, be like we're being extra, you know, like super super extra careful. And at the end of it, it just sounds like. Gosh, you know, for us, and this isn't true for everyone, obviously, but just for us, it's like, I don't know if that really feels like a getaway. <laughs> really? It's more trouble than it's worth, ultimately. It's like a lot worry. of trouble. You know, there were a couple of uh, places we were looking at going, and then, but then, of course, a lot of people also had that idea, and so nothing was really available. And so we were like, well, I guess we'll just, you know, we'll just, we'll stay home. And uh, and so that's that's kind of what we've been doing. But you're right. We've gotten to spend more time together than we ever did before. And and, that's and it's really for better or for worse. I mean, because Lydia is also very expressive and oh, she's wonderful. And it's been so wonderful. And, and, and we have been have discussed like, God, if, if the year, like not that we're happy that all this happened. However, since we are in this situation, you know, how wonderful that we have gotten to spend this time together when before we would have been running off on not like I, she right. was, running off to do movies. I was running off to do stand up, and, you know, like we'd see each other getting into bed. Okay. Good night. Love you. Love you. You know, yeah. and then kind of separate in the morning. And it's like, we've had this opportunity to really spend time together and talk about like starting a family. And and so it, it's been, that's great. Yeah. So that part's been, been, been nice. And, and, and I also think to your earlier point about being an empath, I mean, what you do, you're, I mean, you're sort of a, uh, a, a, like a medium in a way, you know, it's like you embody characters, you, you do that by observing the world and re-expressing it. So you have to be very sensitive to the world. And I think the downside is that it makes you um, open and sort of raw when it's great, when it's great. And it's a bummer when it's a bummer. Cause you really, you feel all of it because that's your, that's kind of part that's of my job. That's kind of what I am. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Thank you for, I mean, that, those are also incredible compliments to me. I mean, I, I really also the fact you re, that you recall all this stuff we talked about. I, I mean, thank you, Chris. I really mean that you're my, you're my favorite. I mean, I told <laughs> that to Gina too. I said, I need any other, if we're having any other interviews, it better be Chris. <laughs> that means, that means the world. To God, I've said that to her. <laughs> well, I, I mean, like it, you know, for me, there there were so many. It's because it's, I I really just view these as conversations with people that I really want to learn more about, or people in like in your you know like I admire you and your work, and and so just to sort of hear hear your path before there was a lot there were a lot of takeaways and you know like 
just being being yourself, embracing who you are, like breaking the mold, figuring out how to go the extra mile to break boundaries, like all those all those roles that were so defining that were and were were those times where you just took these wild swings because you just felt uh, like a, you just felt something about it extra and rather than going no i'm not gonna you know you were like fuck it this is this is what i'm gonna do and the determination and the will and so you manifested and created those things and it's fascinating to me because you know there were other people who also auditioned for let's say something about mary maybe they had that thought but they didn't follow it you know and so you chose to do that so you you really did create this amazing career in a very difficult business in a dip in a business that is fertilized with rejection and you know like really just playing on every insecurity that we have and your your ability to rise above that and and do amazing work is just like i mean that's a master class you know like your career is a master class wow that's a that's a quote i'll take away (laughs) (laughs) you know i go back to thinking about my upbringing too because we are impacted, of course, tremendously by our early years and what our parents, how our parents see us and the input they give us and the um, re- rejection and reward quotient of family life, you know, where, and um, I mean, I grew up in the 50s, you know, which was a very kind of, you know, Betty Furness and the refrigerator <laughs> or standing in front of the refrigerator, you know, advertising it on the new televisions and stuff. And my parents were very conservative um, but not really, you know, my mother, oh, I, I realized this now, my mom really wanted to be a, a, a real Detroit lady. She was born in Russia and came to this country when she was 13 years old. She didn't speak a word of English. And at 13 was put into a class with six-year-olds, first grade, didn't speak one word of English. She said she couldn't even get her legs under the desk because they were made for six Gosh. And for a 13-year-old, a pubescent, beautiful young girl, you can imagine I can't even imagine what that must have been. Right. And she ended up graduating high school speaking perfect English. She never had a trace of an accent at 17 years old. She graduated 12th grade, going from first grade to 12th grade in four years and got a job. She typed like 190 words a minute. She learned to type. I mean, she was that person. And you would never really have known that when you talked to my mom, you know, because she was just my mom. But when I think about, the drive that's almost genetic. I mean, there must be something to that. I I mean, I don't think they can isolate the gene. And my dad too was one of these people who just took the next step and the next step. He always used to say, you're like a a pigeon. You put one foot in front of the other and just keep, you know, going forward. And so the little lessons, um, he also had a saying, said and done. There's a Yiddish expression. We're Jewish. And there was a Yiddish Yiddish expression, gesucht and gatan which means said and done. And that's still something that haunts me. You say you're going to do something, you do it. Whether it's you say it to yourself or you say it to somebody else. You say it, you do it. And I feel like the fabric of my family uh, uh, sort of supported me and allowed me to sort of grow outside of that, like have tendrils, you know, growing outside of that fabric. And um, and. I have, for whatever that is, I, I, I do have a surety about what I want, not always how to get it, 
but once I start moving forward, it's it's like pulling the weed, the bamboo out of the ground. Whether I get it or not, I'm going to keep trying. Right. And um, most gratefully, a lot of roots come up. <laughs> you know, you can pull a lot out. There's some you got to go. All right, I gave it my all, and I'm done. And I mean, you have to, you know, when to hold and when to fold. That's also something to know. But 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 the but the one foot in front of the other thing, which is you know very very close to like one day at a time, which is yep. you know, but but the one foot in it. The one foot in front of the other thing is 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 such a elegantly um, simple way. If when you're feeling overwhelmed, to just strip all the other stuff away and just go one you know one foot in front of the other. Today, I, you know, what can I do today? Well, I, I can go and clean out a fountain, or I can go dig out a weed, or I can right. go do something, and that's the one foot in front of the other. And and that's in motion. One day at a time is different. What you know, if one foot in front of the other is active. We're one day at a time more emotion, you know, more, more philosophical. Right. And and I think that, and I really, that image, you know, of just, um, I mean, I've gotten old, you know, I mean, for real, I mean, I've gotten old, you know, and I go, and especially this pandemic, I go, Oh my God, where did that come from? (laughs) You know, you look, why did I get that from? Because we spend so much time, I spend so much time with myself. Yeah. And yet I have zero sense of my own age. My own, all I have a sense of is now. I mean, that's kind of like, and, and I talk to myself to create a joy factor often, you know, look at all I have to be grateful for. I mean, I do. I say, just stop it already. I told you my two little voices. And I'm just, all right, you're right. <laughs> you know, yeah. but anyway, I'm sort of just. No, all not over. at all. Because it's not, a, I don't think it's about, you know, everyone's going to have doubts and everyone's going to have days where they feel like everything's insurmountable and everyone's going to, you know, a lot of people are going to talk to themselves, you know, it's, it's just, then what do you do with it? Once you're in that situation, you can feel, you know, obviously feel it, you know, and there are a lot of mindful practices that say like, listen, if your body's trying to feel something, just allow yourself to feel it, live in it for a minute and then like you acknowledge it and then let it go. The more you fight it, the more it holds on and the more it kind of, you know, holds holds root i mean it is it is it's it's weirdly like a lot of the theme of like a lot of horror films like a lot of especially ghost stories where it's like fighting 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 just acknowledge the spirit you know like and then it moves on you know like just live with it and so maybe there is something to to that too that it's okay it's a i think we want our lives to never feel uncomfortable and we want it to like 100 percent of the time to be like hey everything feels great and, you know, sometimes it's okay to not feel great, but, but then it's just like acknowledging it and then letting it go. That's what you do well also. I mean, you know, people say you shouldn't be hate. You shouldn't be angry. Bullshit. <laughs> I don't, I don't buy that. I'm allowed to feel the way I feel and express it. And if I pretend I don't feel that, I think that's what gives you cancer. I mean, I think that's what, that you eat, you turn stuff into yourself that you don't acknowledge that you're feeling, I think is bad for you. And so I am all for acknowledging my own sense of hate, my own sense of failure, my own sense of, I mean, I want to, I'm a part of all those things. And I, and as an artist also, those are of value for me to be able to really own and to really be able to express. And I mean, you're talking about owning those feelings and that's, and, and that's, that's part of the, you know, that's part of your human experience. Yeah you know, you're, you're feeling all of it, not just for your own personal sense of, of, you know, well-being and expression, but again, also 
you know, like as because of what you do, you know, it's like you don't you don't just play one type of role. You play all, you know, like there's a whole scope of things that you do. And it's true. We all, you know, to be able to really acknowledge all the human emotions, basically, without censoring, saying this is not good for me to think or this is not good for me to feel. I mean, just stuff like I live on a small street and these workers come up and they're driving like 35 miles an hour on curbs, you know, and I'm with my dog. I mean, it unleashes something in me that's almost crazy. I mean, almost. Oh, like- that I saw that. <laughs> this, I saw the same thing happened with us where we were walking our dog on a street. There's not a lot of sidewalks where we live. So you kind of have to, we just hug the curb. Yeah, we have none. So. And when people go whipping around the corner, Lydia's like, what the fuck? You know, because it's dangerous. <laughs> really? I, I chased a guy down the street. Oh my gosh. And I, then I thought, and as I'm running, I'm going, you shouldn't be doing this, Linda, because people have guns in their glove compartments. And I mean, that's the truth. You know, I mean, you see what's going on in the world. You shouldn't, a little pisher like me, you know, weighs a hundred pounds, should not be running down the street after, you know, a, a six foot three guy in a sports car. But I, but you know, but I understand because it's like, it's, it that's putting people's safety easily avoidable thing just like don't go whipping around curves fast that's not you know that's part and parcel of what we you know everybody thinks they're so everybody and literally when i went tearing down the street like that and i mean you should have heard me i mean it was i was a little bit nuts i thought you fucking motherfucker (laughs) i was i unleashed every every obscenity i've ever learned and he got out of the car. He totally ignored me, which made it worse. You know, yeah. just like pretend he didn't hear me. And I was just fuming. And then I thought, well, this is really bad for me. But then I thought, no, it isn't. This is good for me. <laughs> this is good for me to, 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 to let this, you know, because I, 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 if I hadn't expressed it, I would have been holding it all in. And, you, you know, know, you're also standing up for something you believe in. And also you're right. <laughs> you really? know, like you're just right. You it's. If somebody is, ignores you, it's like the person, it's because it's interesting on the street. Us, again, we have no sidewalks either. It's either people see a dog and a person in the middle of the street who hasn't noticed them yet. And they, even if they're coming a little bit fast, they slow down and they acknowledge you. And then maybe they speed up and go away. These guys don't even acknowledge you. Like you don't exist. And that's also a, a, a trigger. Someone who totally ignores you and pretends you're not there. I mean, right. and that, oh my God, uh-uh. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's not going to fly. That's not going to fly. <laughs> you're going to at least know I was here. By the way, you so you're chasing after this person, but you have a, do- you have a dog on a leash? I have a dog with me. She's yeah. running and barking. <laughs> oh, what kind of dog do you, what, what, what kind of dog is barking oh, at this she's guy? She's a little, little terrier. I got like, where is she, where is she? I can see if I can find a little picture of her. Um, she's, she's a, a cross between... We think she's got like Lhasa Apsa or Shih Tzu in her because she's got these long lashes. She's about 30 pounds. Let me see if I can pull up a funny picture, a cute picture of her. Um, and she's uh, totally non-aggressive. I mean, she's she's she loves people. Look, here's a picture of her, if you can see it. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> but maybe in that moment, she was like, we're going to take this motherfucker down. Well, and she kept looking at me like, is this good? Am I doing <laughs> and the two of us, it was actually very satisfying. <laughs> it bonded Lily because she's barking and barking, and then she's looking at me. Was that okay, Mom? Okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. And the two of us really just ran, you know, the whole street. And um, 
and it's usually, you know, and there's people who, who don't live on the street, obviously. There's a lot of workmen who come up here. There's all this construction going on at the end of the street and somewhere else on the street. And I mean, I, I'm usually friends with half these guys because we see them every day. But there's a group that are just unacceptable, in my opinion, to be to be the way they treat the people who live on the street. That's the only thing I'm saying. Yeah, well, that's and that's also threatening to your community, you know. And it's like it's yeah, some, it is. You know, because again, someone could get hit by a car, and it's like this didn't have to. This didn't have to happen. Just there's no. You just just take it easy, you know. It's like you're, you're, you acknowledge you're another saving, you know, a, a, two seconds uh, on your commute, you know, by going the speed limit around a curve in a neighborhood versus trying to just whip around, you know, right. like that's right. just a oh, no, it's just regard. But at Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. To me, it seems like you're doing all the things that you can do to get through this and you're, you're having emotions and you're acknowledging them and you're feeling them and you're expressing in them. And then you're putting in one foot in front of the other. Like that's what the fuck else are we supposed to do? You know, like it's not, and you're walking the dog and you're, you're gardening and you're still like, you know, and, and this is technically like you're promoting a movie. So this is, you know, it's conversational, but it is also technically, like you're doing work, so that's good. That's that's productive, you know. By the way, the call, which which I should. <laughs> yeah, I'm one so of the reasons I'm here is a wonderful film. It's a it's a, a little horror film that was Tobin Bell. Um, Tobin, me and Tobin Bell, and that was actually a really great idea because um, originally the the script came from my uh, a client of my manager's, um, Randy Goodwin, who had the script from who lives in Omaha, I think, and Patrick Stibbs, who was the writer, had this script. And so he gave it to Randy, who gave it to my manager, to, to Gina Rugolo. And um, there was a role for, you know, a role for me in it. Um, it was very different when we, the original script, um, it was very heavy on sort of this woman being a witch. And, I, and I'm, again, I'm sort of, I, I look for the humanity, even in the supernatural, so to speak. So we kept going through it and looking for what I kept looking to see what was the core of who I thought this woman was. And it's sort of through conversations and, and gratefully through Patrick, who was a, um, was a wonderful writer, but also a great listener and a great collaborator. And I have to thank him immensely for putting up with my, all my thoughts and my ideas and incorporating them. And uh, Jeffrey Reddick, who produced um, the final destination series is one of the producers as well. So we had a really good team and I worked with Timothy on The Final Wish, which was a movie we did previously that Jeffrey that also did quite well. And um, so what we kept looking for 
or what I kept looking for was the the humanity in this woman. And so it sort of became uh, thematically about bullying because it's about this woman who li- and her husband, Tobin Bell, who plays my husband. And w- when we got, it was Gina, my manager, who suggested Tobin. And I thought, oh my God, that's so perfect because we are both the children of James Wan and Lee Winnell. <laughs> <laughs> and also it's just like, you're 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 both just so legendary and it's like oh my god the two of them together amazing right, right, right. a totally different totally different worlds you know so the world of saw is totally different than the world of insidious but it is ironic that you know james wan and lee winnell who were 100 percent responsible for saw and 100 percent responsible for insidious you know here are two actors who had never met and so um and he agreed to do it and it became a little bit more for me about this woman who she ran. A, uh, Timothy added this in that she ran a preschool and that there's a little girl that disappears. It's kind of a murder mystery in a way. Um, and Edith, my character, gets blamed for the um, for the kind of the they think they, these kids accuse me of having killed her basically and, you know, pretended I and, you know, whatever we did with the body, et cetera. They never found the little girl. And um, over a period of time, they harassed me to such a point of deterioration. And instead of me being um, in my head, instead of her being a witch, you know, with chanting and doing this thing, that the um, the deterioration that these kids, um, the deterioration that they bestowed on her as she got lower and lower and lower, she kind of went to witchcraft as something, anything to help herself, kind of. and. and she ends up doing bad things to herself. And then she does come back and give the kids their comeuppance. So I really get to play evil, you know, evil that has been spawned by bullying, that, right. that she's been turned into this evil person, this mean person. You can say she's mean. She's not so much mean. It's just she's horrific, but she's had it. And when she has the opportunity, she takes kind of revenge on these kids much and, like the guy in the sports car coming around the bend. <laughs> not quite. Well, a little bit like that, yeah. yeah. But this, this movie's yeah. this movie's already out, right? It's on VOD. It's on V. It's coming out um, October thirtieth. So what's today? Tomorrow. Yeah. So by the time this goes up, it'll be out. Yes. So it's on all the platforms. I don't, you know, I don't even know what all that means to be honest, but it's on, you know, it's on um, VOD and on digital. And actually Timothy wrote me what I'm supposed to say. (laughs) I can can find it because he wrote me a thing. Uh, Let's see from Timothy. It's going to be okay. It will be Friday, uh, this Friday, Apple TV, Amazon, Vudu, that's V-U-D-U, Google Pay, Google Play, Fandango and not Fandango now and the main digital ones, which will be on demand as well for TV. Do you know? Yeah, so that? all the places it's in all the, it's in all the places. So all the places. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, we can't wait to see it. I, you know what I, cause when this, when this popped up, I was like, Oh, Lynn's going to, I was telling Lydia, Lynn's going to come back on the podcast. She's in a movie with Tobin Bell. And she was just like, you know, her mouth dropped. Oh my and God. Tobin is great. And he's got, he talks about this one. We had a little podcast together yesterday. He's got this one scene in the middle of the movie, which is kind of a very long, a lot of pages basically, which is how an actor finally goes. I got a lot of pages here to you know, to learn. And I got, 
and it's a very beautiful scene. Um, and he, he was really lovely to work with. I, again, we had never met and we didn't chit chat at all. We, we had a couple very lovely scenes together. There's one that's not in the actual film that I kind of miss. Um, but uh, the crux of the relationship is there. And, um, and I, I think he really, he does, he, he, he really ha turns the film into something very elegant also. He's a very elegant guy and uh, the way he um, conducts himself both on set and, and in the characters he plays, even evil. That's so. fantastic. Well, I'm, we're very excited to see it. We're definitely going to see it. Um, actually, by the time this goes up, we probably will have already seen it. Oh, good. Uh, Let me know what you think. I'd be curious, just, you know, just between me and you. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely, I'll, I'll shoot you a text, but it, but it just has all the elements that it's like, I can't imagine we're not, we're not going to love it. And, you know, like, uh, I, we get very excited also just, you know, like reminding you that what you do is, is helpful and impactful to people, you know, cause I feel like we've watched so much of everything and it's become like really our nightly ritual. Like, well, what are we gonna, what are we gonna watch together tonight? And there are some nights where we just are scrolling through, you know, horror movies and going, Oh, we saw that. We saw that. Yeah. I don't know that. And so when there's a new one that comes out, it's like, Holy shit. You know, that's our Friday night. We're gonna, you know, like, did you, have you seen room for rent? Did you see this other film I, I did? Oh, oh yeah, the, we're, we're, the, with the lady with the guy who rents the room and then it goes sideways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that's a that's you know just a, it's a very small film that you know you didn't produced start. that. I produced it, yeah, as well. Because yeah. and I really that's one of my favorite characters I've ever played. I just I love that character and I love the story too. I thought it was, but um, you know, so that's just kind of always out there. But this this was special. Timothy is a very talented guy. Um, really smart director and great to work with. He gave me, there were a couple moments he gave me, you know, where you're in the middle of a scene, he'll just say, do it like this. And, and I, I am sort of a director's dream because I'm very directable. You know, if, if I mean, I'll do, I'll try anything, you know, it's kind of like, I'll, I'll do anything basically. And um, he really unlocked uh, some moments for me that were really beautiful in the film. So I'm very grateful to him for that. Yeah, Lydia was particular, like Lydia as a, because uh, I, I think Lydia looks to your career as like the model of the career that oh, she really God wants. bless her little heart. <laughs> and so she was like so blown away by your performance in Room for Rent because it really is most of it just takes place in this house, like that this house that this woman is in. It was really no money and just a core of people. It was, and our lighting department were two guys with cellophane. <laughs> <laughs> Literally during the shoot, they'd be standing in front of the light because there was nothing to it. They had, didn't have enough clips to clip it on. So it was really, and, but it, it just shows, it sort of goes to show you that it's story and character still that makes something important and, and, and resonate to, to the audience. It's not about the biggest production or the biggest this or that. And that's something to tell the fans, you know, you really can shoot a movie on your iPhone if you want to and make it oh, yeah. great. You oh, yeah. And have no money. And if you've got great ideas and are able to execute them um, with, you know, in good faith, you, you can create almost anything. I and mean, you need I'm, a good cinematographer. Like it's, it's totally. if, if you if if someone knows how to you know i think everyone sort of fashions themselves as like a, oh, i'm a photographer it's like no you're a picture taker because yeah, of right. Instagram. <laughs> you are a picture taker there are very, you know it's like the amount of 
photography is very specialized, you know, like a DP is a very specialized, like that's, that's about shot composition, not like angling your hand in the right way. to Right, right. Or (laughs) by the way, Pablo Diaz, who did the cinematography for Timothy and uh, in the call, always works with Timothy. He's done all of Timothy's movies. He is brilliant. He's just the best, best, best. He and Timothy, and Timothy's also really great with that of knowing shots. And when you watch it, you'll see you'll, you'll see what he did with with camera and with um, also color composition. It's a very dark film. I mean, literally, also very dark and lots of reds and greens. It's a very cold film, and you realize how much those elements play on the viewer's emotions. You know, people think it's just about the acting and the story, but it's not. I mean, when you're visually, we are so impacted and manipulated by color, composition, sound. Of course, the music has a huge, you know, huge impact also on the way you experience a piece of a piece of film. But um, it's, it's very prominent in Timothy's movies because he's very involved in, in the picture and what you are creating to impact the story. So um, you'll be happy. <laughs> By the way, I've, I've just been eyeing it the whole conversation. There's like some, there's a really cool old pinball machine in your background. Yeah. Yep. You can that, come to my house when this thing's over. I would love to. I, I see at least two machines there maybe. Yeah. One is Lord of the Rings. That's the one, the, the far one. And this is an old 60s that we got at an auction, uh, a theater. We had a theater company when I first, when we first, uh, when I first met my husband, actually, um, and there was a raffle, and this was one of the raffles. It doesn't work right now; it lights up, and I, there's only one guy that I that I found in LA who can repair old pinball machines. I've still got his number somewhere, and he fixed it so it worked, and then it went out again. And the circuitry—I don't even think you can get the circuitry anymore, or something. But um, it, someday I'll find somebody who can still fix it and repair it. It's a great old machine. I mean, I do know a really great arcade guy. Okay. If so, I'll give, I'll give you his info. Uh, okay. And I'm I'm pretty sure he probably would be able to. I mean, you know, like under like when things clear up, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and you can have like people come to your house, you know. Like, <laughs> no, but okay, you're on for that. And I would, and you guys are invited for dinner as soon as possible. <laughs> oh my God, that would be so wonderful. Like, oh, I, enjoy, enjoy. I really, uh, you know, I, I just can't express to you enough what a joy it is to to know you and to have gotten to be, you know, friend, friends with you and, and how meaningful it's been to Lydia too. And, you know, like, you know, I, I just say, um, everything you're feeling is, 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 understandable you know and it's and it's okay and 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 it sounds like you know like the the way that you're talking about how you're expressing all of it sounds like oh yeah I think that that sounds like the healthiest like what else do you (laughs) what else I do laugh a lot also I mean I crack myself up in a positive in a good way (laughs) I mean you know it's like that other little voice that says go 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 um and yeah keeping to remember my dad's putting one pigeon foot in front of the other and that this too shall pass. That was the other thing he used to always say. I've thought a lot about my my family during this time too, because I haven't you know seen them for a long. I mean, my brother's still doing fine. He's you know we're I, I think going to go there for Thanksgiving. I, I'm a little I, I'm a little uh, 
you know, I'm going to, I still want to be careful about family gatherings. How many of us get together because I have nieces who live in Seattle, you know, people coming from different places and I want to stay well. I, I just, I do not want to catch this thing and, uh, or, or, you know, be a carrier of any kind, but we'll see. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I adore you. I mean, I have so much respect for you, Chris, and I'm and I'm so excited that you like me. <laughs> oh my gosh, are you kidding? No, I I no, just you know, I I just uh, I I wish I could give you a hug and just tell you that you're you're okay and it's going to be okay, you know, and and that uh, you know all those all, all those feelings that you're feeling, like all of them are are understandable and and uh, and and you know, normal. And, you know, it's, and I think, I think you're doing all the best stuff that you can do. And I, and, you know, my, my takeaway from this will be the image of a pigeon, just putting one foot in front of the other, you know, of just like, just put one, just get, just take that next step. Just oh, and just keep going. Other. If there's a curb, you step down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you keep walking. And then when it comes up again, you step up and then you keep going and you keep going. No, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful image. I, I thank my, my family for giving me the support by leaving me alone to do what I love. And that's really part of it. They, you know, they left me alone to do what I love and just kind of watched it happen. Um, and I'm, they didn't try to manipulate me too much, even though my mom really wanted me to marry a guy and live on the street down the, you know, down the street from her in Detroit. That was what she would have loved. But she left me alone. She knew I was on another thing. And um, I I think it's important to get that kind, if you can, to get support from your family is is immeasurable in terms of giving you confidence that you're making the right choices for yourself. Well, so thank I, you, Mom and Dad, wherever I, I, you are. I appreciate, your, I appreciate your strength and openness and, and force of will. And, uh, and, and you know, I, I really hope that... Uh, I do hope we get to see you in the, in the not too distant future. You know, I mean, we, Lydia says, hi, she's, uh, she's uh, in another part of the house, right? I, I almost was going to like, see if I could get her to come up, but she might be, she might actually be putting an audition on tape right now on, on tape. Why do I say tape? Tape's just not a thing. But that's just what we used to call it. She's putting it's on tape. She's doing it on tape. No, she's doing it on her phone. She's got the old recorder. The, the two yeah. yeah, she's got, yeah, there's like a, a reel to reel and she's, you know, uh, <laughs> no. So she's, uh, you know, but she obviously, she says hi too. And so, you know, like we'll, we'll just, we'll bug you from time you know, to time. Just reach yeah. out and say hi and see how you're doing. I was just going to say, you know, we don't have to do a podcast to do it. Thank you, Chris. See Penny Dreadful. If you can watch it, you'll, I think you'll get a kick. These It's 10 episodes. Absolutely. And it was on Showtime. I don't know if they still have it running. I'm sure they must. Yeah. Um, this wasn't that long ago. And, um, and again, I appreciate, thank you for the support and, and real love I feel from you, uh, you know, over my, my career and everything. And I really, really, really thank you. You're just wonderful as well. And hang um, in there, Lynn Shea, hang I, in there. You're going to you know. be okay. And uh, yeah. And thanks for being here and people should, thanks for being here in your house. Uh, <laughs> and people <laughs> should watch the call. Which right. Out. Out, out, out. It's out there. Watch it. You won't be sorry. You might be scared, but you won't be sorry. <laughs> and I promise that if we do come to your house, we will drive responsibly around the curves. Okay. <laughs> I promise you that. Love you guys. Thank you, you so much. Take care, Lynn. Okay. Talk to you yeah. soon. Bye. Okay. Bye. 
ID10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 65th National Finals of Distinguished Young Women. Every year, one girl from every state leaves her family, her whole life behind, for two weeks and spends each day training, practicing, preparing. Because to win this competition, she needs to wow a panel of judges with her academic record, her athletic ability, her speaking skills, and a show-stopping talent. I met her and I was like, she's gonna win. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. When I sing that song about being a black woman in America, there's gonna be backlash about that. Oh, I'm just so happy. So happy. I don't want to see them. I don't want to talk to them. And then we stayed with them for the next year, unpacking just what happened those two weeks in Mobile. I'm Shimoliai, and from Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.